0: guys, this is The Recovery Journey, and we are back. Today, we're having a very special podcast with a good friend of mine named Rachel Bailey. We went to school together at MOBAP, and then we also were in treatment together, fighting our eating disorders. And now we're both in recovery, fighting diet culture. Today's topic will be on weight stigma and if it's actually necessary to be weighed in a doctor's office, um, what you can do if you don't want to be weighed in the doctor's office, um, and just our own. Personal journeys with weight stigma and the ways that it's affected us. So I'll be right back and we will have a good discussion on weight stigma. Please don't forget to uh, follow me on Instagram, the Recovery Journey Podcast. Um, Yeah, uh, I'll see you soon. Bye. Welcome to the Recovery Journey Podcast. Today we have Rachel and we're going to be talking about weight stigma. Rachel, why don't you introduce yourself and give the audience a little bit more about info about yourself?
1: Hi, guys. I am Rachel. Um, So Maria and I met probably seven years ago now and when we were in school together and um, just really developed a budding friendship from that. Um, But a little bit of my story. Um, I grew up in a pretty broken home and was adopted when I was 17. Um, I struggled with an eating disorder through part of middle school and high school when I was swimming, um, and then did really well, um, in regards to behaviors and things like that once I was adopted. Um, but after a fairly traumatic event, in 2018 I really started struggling with behaviors again and um for the first time sought treatment for my eating disorder and it has definitely been a journey um through that but i think yeah i don't know
0: <laughs> sorry no you're good um so yeah so today we both have a big passion about weight and um declining to wait at the doctor's office um unless it's medical like necessity for them to know your weight um, and so I guess I just wanted to get a little bit more about your background with that and like where your passion comes from with that and yeah, just your opinion.
1: Yeah. So I, throughout my process of treatment, have really struggled with <clears throat> weighing myself and the what the number means to me and how that affects my identity and how that affects my values as a person and who like what I think about myself as a person. And so one of the things that has been heavy on my heart recently is the fact that it is not medically necessary for us to be weighed at every doctor's appointment, because one, if it's like, let's say it's like a study with like a sleep specialist, um, there's no medical reason that they need to know my weight. Um, and I think I think over time, one of the big things that has really hit me is that knowing my weight really fuels behaviors for me, and so trying to separate myself more from that has been a big passion of mine and a big desire of mine in order to really maintain recovery.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know for me like I don't want to get into a place where I can never know it because I think eventually a doctor's going to slip up and tell you or something. <clears throat> and I want to be in a place where I'm secure enough in my recovery that it's not a huge trigger. However, I do think it is um not something I need to know ever. It's not something that um I personally care about. I really try to um avoid knowing my weight and talking about my weight at all costs. And the reason why is because the weight does not determine health. The weight doesn't determine my recovery. It doesn't determine really anything. And so um, I I do just want to be cautious and say that like, I don't want it to be something that we avoid just to simply avoid being triggered. But I do think that we need to protect our recovery and do everything we need to do um, to not put ourselves in a triggering environment. And so um, oftentimes the beginning stages of recovery or, um, even forever, really, there's no really good reason to know your weight. Um, but I think it's really important starting out in recovery, um, or even just starting out in intuitive eating to really, um, question if you're struggling with not wanting to see, like, if you want to see your weight and you don't understand what we're talking about, um, really just question, like, what does your weight, give you like what does knowing your weight give you what does it provide you what are you what are you actually needing um because we live in a very uh thin cultured society thin privileged society um and I think oftentimes what we're really wanting is to have those privileges and it really has nothing to do with um well it can't really have much to do with health if you actually are educated and know about um Weight and um, help at every size. So that's my little tidbit on it. I think that um, it is important to not let it be something that is building and building, and then when a doctor says your weight five years down the road that it's this huge trigger, and then all of a sudden we're back in our eating disorder. But I don't think it's important to know ever really, Um, and I think it is important to do what we need to do to not. put so much, uh, I don't know. I just feel like so much weight, LOL, um, on our weight. Like it just, it doesn't determine really anything. And so, um, but we live in a culture that is constantly telling us that it does determine so much of our life and it it doesn't. Yeah. I agree with that
1: wholeheartedly that I hope to be in a place in recovery one day where, my weight and the number on the scale does not carry so much power. And at the same time, I think in this stage of my recovery, it has been very crucial to protect my recovery by not knowing Mm -hmm. the number on the scale. And I think part of that process has been one, getting rid of my personal scale, um, which Mm -hmm. I did with my therapist. And eventually I smashed my scale which Mm -hmm. was such a liberating experience. Um, I had actually written a goodbye letter to my scale before I smashed it. And one of the big things that came up as I was writing that letter was that more often than not, stepping on the scale really elicits this deep sense of panic that lasts for days. And from there really fuels so many behaviors Mm -hmm. for me. And I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, there's there's definitely a part of me that one day hopes that it does not carry so much weight and so yeah. much power in my life. And at the same time, right now, it does. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that I am coming to terms with and being able to hold that and not offer so much judgment about it has been really helpful. Um, I think that one of the things that really meant a lot to me when I smashed my scale and my therapist and I talked about this after was that when I hit it, it smashed and like just shattered in one fell swoop. And she reflected to me that that's the power that I'm taking back is the power to smash my scale in one fell swoop is the power that I'm regaining as a human, Mm -hmm. that my weight is not my worth. My weight is not my identity. My weight is not my safety it is not my purpose in life. It is not who I am. It is not who I'll become. And sitting there with that was so freeing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's super empowering. I remember um, a few years ago at the Need to Walk in St. Louis. I don't remember which year it was, but there was a few years ago that. It was 2018. Yeah. 2018. Okay. Um, we smashed scales. And I mm-hmm. remember just how like liberating that was. Um Pretty much since I entered treatment in 2016, I have not owned a scale, um, just because I know how big of a deal it is for me. And I know that that's such an easy trigger and such an easy, um, yeah. And so that, that does not mean that I haven't known my weight. Um, I've been in and out of treatment since then. And I think, um, I mean, with eating disorder. And so, yes, I've known my weight, um and it has been a trigger and I am, and I am now more in a place than I have ever been um, where it doesn't bother me as much. Um, I think I've done a lot more research and just um, kind of what we talked about last week in the podcast of tolerating your body and beginning to accept it and hold gratitude and compassion. Um, I've started to work through those stages. And so I think it's been a little bit easier um, to not really care I guess about my weight um I have seen it and while it can definitely still be triggering it's not as triggering as it was a year ago right when I was fresh out of treatment or in treatment um or heading to treatment um so I think yeah I don't know I just um I think it's really important if you want practical steps to begin to um love your body um or even if that's not the goal tolerating your body um or just being okay with the body that you're in. Um, If you really are wanting to do the intuitive eating and be in recovery um, thing, I think it's the number one thing to do as far as weight is to get rid of your scale. And whether that is bring it to your therapist or um, smash it in your front yard or whatever it is for you, um, or even put it on Facebook and be like, Hey, I'm getting rid of my scale. You should join me and do this with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the reality is, is that like, none of us need a scale. We really don't doesn't do us any good at home. Um, the only reason why anybody needs to ever know our weight is if we're going under anesthesia, um, Mm -hmm. or there are some other, you know, medical complications that a doctor may need to know it, but it does mean absolutely no good to have a scale in my home. Um, I don't need to track anything. Um, so yeah, so I think that would be the number one thing that I would say is to get rid of your scale, smash it, take that liberating step. Um, and you know, it, it is your body and, Um, our bodies do so much for us. Kind of like what we talked about last week is, um, with Nicole, she was talking about just how much our body is like, allow us to connect with other people and how our bodies allow us to, um, you know, do, do so many different things, um, regardless of your capabilities, we all are living and we all are able to, um, we all have different capabilities. And so I think it's really important that, um, to just like hold that gratitude and hold space. Um, And then when it is difficult, because it's not always going to be easy um, to sit and tolerate it and um, to be in the uncomfortability and to feel it and it won't, and know that it won't last forever.
1: Yeah. I think you make a really good point when talking about the need for doctors and medical professionals to know our weight, that there really is very, very little medical reason for them to know our weight outside of, anesthesia maybe the management of a medication um or if there's a specific health condition that they might need to know that occasionally for and as we were like recently i came across this website called morelove.org and it they're offering these don't weigh me cards and there are cards that you can give to your medical professionals that say, don't weigh me unless it's really medically necessary. If you really need my weight, please tell me why so I can give you my informed consent. And I, I, when I saw that, I was so encouraged that other people are taking this stand and understanding that coming in for every single appointment and talking about weight is a problem that perpetuates weight stigma in our society Mm -hmm. and honestly it just stresses people out like I think that overall it can be really hurtful especially like thinking about Mm -hmm. young children who there's so much pressure on them to like weigh when they come to the doctor's office and then they're charted and um put in a percentile and things like that and it puts so much pressure on children to perform and we as young adults and even older adults experience this too of receiving these BMIs and BMI Mm -hmm. reports and um I think that in more cases than not it really does add to the stress that we feel and that's just not healthy for us. Like it's not healthy for us to live in the state of stress, particularly about our weight.
0: Yeah. Well, I have a couple things to say to that too. Um, first with what you were saying about stress, um, actually stress is more harmful to the body than it is to actually be overweight. And, and it, the way that it affects our body and our organs and just the cortisol that it releases is actually really unhealthy for our body. So if you're sitting there stressed about food and stressed about your body and stressed about weight and, um, all these different stressors that come just with, uh, our diet culture. Um, and perpetually every time somebody has to go to the doctor, that's adding more stress. If you're anxious because you have to get weighed at the doctor, you're adding stress. And really what is the weight providing for anybody knowing, knowing your weight? It doesn't provide really much for anything. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I was going to say about that is with the kids. Um, when I was little, I have always had hypothyroidism since I was born. It's congenital. I've had it since I was born. And so when I was little, I used to have to go to the doctor every four months for that, just for that, not, not including any other appointments. And I would go to my endocrinologist and, um, mind you, like weight gain can be a part of hypothyroidism because your metabolism is slower. Um, but I was a very normal, um, quotations, um, normal, normal BMI, normal weight child. But because I had more than an inch of fat on my stomach, my doctor would tell me every four months that I needed to lose weight, that I was overweight, that I was at an increased risk for diabe- diabetes, which I am 25 now and still have never been pre-diabetic um, or diabetic or anything. Um, and so I remember being little and just thinking like, I'm overweight, I'm overweight, I'm overweight. And now I look back at those pictures and it makes me so sad because I was six, seven, eight, four, thinking I was overweight because this doctor thought because I had an inch on my stomach, um, that I was overweight. And so that brings me back to BMI too. Um, I am not a lover of the BMI. I absolutely no. do not love it at all. Mm-hmm. It was actually created, um, for astronauts in space. Um, it was not really, uh, originally rec- created to be used as a medical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course our fat and diet cultured, culture likes to take anything it can about weight, um, and use it. And so, um, I don't like the BMI because it doesn't include muscle mass. Mm -hmm. Um, and so technically speaking, if we were talking about the BMI, um, and we look at LeBron James BMI, who is one of the fittest men that I know, um, he would be technically obese because of his muscle mass and his weight, um, and his height. And so to me, when I think of that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like he's not obese. Um, So yeah, so um, I do want to say that with health at every size, which I'm a strong believer in, um, it does talk about um, it is unhealthy to be underweight for your set point and overweight for your set point. We all have a genetic set point. The point of health at every size is that everybody's genetic set point is different Mm
1: -hmm. and you cannot
0: judge somebody's genetic set point by looking at them. Exactly. And so therefore you cannot judge their health by looking at them. And so, um, I also like to slide this in there that I have seen some research that shows that it's actually more unhealthy to be underweight than it is to be overweight. Yes. I've and seen so, that as well. Um, I just, the BMI thing to me is just so, um, dunked in our, in our diet culture and mm-hmm. so dunked into fat phobic society. And I just, um, I really pay zero attention to BMI. Um, yeah. BMI anything, I don't, chart anything. Um, I've always been more muscular as a girl. I've always been a tomboy. I've always, made, I, I was a thrower in college. I played basketball. I've always lifted. I um, have weightlifting. Um, just, I broke records in high school. So I've always been more muscular. And so it, my BMI has always been higher. And that has always been really hard on me. But I am now more comfortable with, I would rather be muscular than have a low BMI. And that is a new point in my recovery. So Mm, um, That's awesome. Yeah. And just like knowing that like my body is okay where it is and I am living a full life and um, I just don't pay attention to my BMI. Yeah. I think you make make an
1: important point about BMI. And one of the other things I've heard is that um, it was developed to assess poverty in certain areas. And that, you know, thinking about that now, like, we live in a very developed country.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: is that to say there's no poverty? Absolutely not. And at the same time, I think considering the development of our country and how advanced our country is, BMI is a very outdated scale Mm -hmm. of what they used to consider health and or weight. And... Thinking about all the other into or other ways, it? Yeah, yeah, other tests that we can use, and that doctors and medical professionals can use to adequately measure somebody's body. BMI mm-hmm. is one of the most outdated that exists, and yet yeah, it's you the make... most heavily relied upon.
0: Yep, you make a really great point there because have we not? like moved on in technology, like we're still stuck with a BMI scale that I can do it in my head mm-hmm. like to to de- to determine my health. Like to me, that's like crazy to me. There are people yeah. who you would in a fat phobic society look at and be like, Oh my gosh, they're so unhealthy. They're at risk for all these things when in reality you do blood work on them and they are working out and doing feeding their body with what they need mm-hmm. to eat. And they can be healthier than the dude who's running a marathon who's just had a heart attack. I mean yeah, we have, I mean, you cannot look at somebody and know their health. And so, and I, and I kind of think the BMI is basically looking at somebody and determining their health. Mm -hmm. Um, Not even though, because you can't tell if there's muscle or not. It's just literally based on fat mass basically. So,
1: yeah, I, I think that's a really important
0: point. So I appreciate that. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Is there anything else, Rachel, that you want to talk about regarding weight stigma or, um, anything body-wise, I guess, body image?
1: Um, I think one of the things that kind of going back to something you said earlier about what it looks like to begin to tolerate the body that we live in has been something that has been heavy on my heart recently about what does it look like to tolerate this new body that I live in. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it has been a Big journey because through my eating disorder, I was so praised for the changes mm-hmm. that were occurring in my body, and you know was almost like accoladed with these statements of "Look at you! Look at this! You look so good!" Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in so many ways that one fueled behaviors, but mm-hmm. two reinforced. That my worth is about my body. Yep. And I think it's something that I'm going to continue to face as my body has changed. And at the same time, it's something that I'm really worrying against, both publicly and internally, is that my worth and your worth and everyone's worth is so much more than what mm-hmm. their body looks like. Yeah. And I think that's something that is so missed, particularly in those who struggle with an eating disorder, but live at quote, a normal weight or yes. start at quote, overweight um, uh-huh. or, you know, at that live in a larger body and then struggle with an eating disorder mm-hmm. that it's, it, it's almost as if we're continuously praised for the changes that are occurring in our body because society says, quote, lose weight. Yep. And I think that has been a big struggle for me in figuring out what it looks like to tolerate my body because one of the biggest fears I've had is living in this body and living in this and feeling like this body isn't safe where it's at. And that I'm not safe in this body that exists and I wasn't safe in the body that used to exist. And I think it's been a huge process and it will continue to be a process, but one very worthwhile to begin to tolerate and move towards acceptance and compassion towards my body.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to uncouple. um, And that is something that takes years, if not more than years, um, to master. Um, especially for trauma survivors who also have an eating disorder. Um, it's very easy to couple. Um, I'm not safe in this body. I'm not safe in this size. I'm not safe at this weight. Because when I was at this weight, that's when I was raped. That's when I, you know, whatever, yeah. The tra- Whenever, whatever weight the trauma happened at um, that often is a fear. And so um, I like what you said with that, just um, to know that you are safe and just, and to begin to slowly uncouple that, Um, it was not your weight that caused the trauma. Um, it was the perpetrator. And so, um, it was not your body that caused the trauma. Um, and that's really difficult stuff. That's really heavy guys. And so if that is something that you are struggling with, like, I really highly recommend, um, seeing a therapist, uh, Nicole Jacobs, who was on last week is a great therapist. Um, like I said, um, there's plenty more. So if you need help or resources, please don't be afraid to reach out. Um, I can definitely hook you up with some great therapists in the St. Louis area. If you're not in the St. Louis area, um, I would definitely be interested in helping you find a therapist that is health at every size and um, intuitive eating qualified, certified. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that's going to be really important. Um, You can't just go to any therapist, not trauma informed or whatever, and just expect, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, but, I, think, I think you make an interesting point with you can't just go to any therapist and expect them to be trauma-informed or eating disorder-informed or whatever. Yeah. And, like, I was talking to my therapist yesterday about an interaction I had at a doctor's appointment where my I had declined to weigh and my weight was brought up nonetheless. And she said, you know, we can't hold them accountable – we can't hold these medical professionals accountable for their ignorance – and I, that hit me really hard. Um, and it's kind of like that. Like you can't, hold we can expect a, them
0: to not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You can't hold a therapist accountable for not having the specific training. And, um, well, I, I mean, think,
0: I, th- I feel like they should have definitely, yeah, absolutely. Training, but
1: yeah, but yeah. I mean, there like, is bliss. Yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think, you know, like, yes, therapists and doctors should always have continuing education and at the same time, some therapists are going to specialize in other things, mm-hmm. and so finding a therapist who is informed about trauma, who is a health at every size, who yeah. understands intuitive eating, things like that, is going to be crucial um, to really beginning to tolerate and accept the body. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um. I forgot what else I was going to say. You had said something. Um. Before this last time, but I don't know. It's gone. um, yeah, cool. So I hope that you've enjoyed this, um, little segment on weight stigma and just like all that goes into it. I think that it's really important to stick up for yourself and know what you need to do for your recovery. And, um, like I said, in another podcast, like we have to protect our recoveries. We have to put it first so that our eating disorders don't become first. And, um, the eating disorders are tricky. They're sneaky. They, um, they like to sneak in little ways. And so, you know, like your eating disorder may want you to find out the weight at the doctor. I I was in a season one time where I was going to the doctor a lot and um I was in treatment and I wasn't supposed to know my weight and was getting weighed twice a week at treatment, but wasn't allowed to know what the weight was and that was driving me insane. I didn't own a scale and so my eating disorder was like, Oh, I can find out at the doctor and then it was a huge trigger and a terrible idea. And so um I think it's just really important to listen to your recovery voice and Just to know that, um, if, if it's not going to be helpful for you, then what's the point of knowing if it's going to be a trigger for you, if it's going to, um, trigger behaviors, is that really the life you want to live? Is the life you want to live restricting, purging, whatever your behavior is, is that really the life you want to live? And for me, the answer became no. It -hmm. wasn't always no, but it became no. And now that it's no, I fight every single day and every single doctor appointment, whatever I need to do, um to begin tolerating from my, my body, begin holding compassion and gratitude for my body. And uh, my body holds my organs in. It gives me life. Mm-hmm. I can connect with friends. I can connect with a the therapist. I can I can do a lot of things, and it, even more so when I'm not in my eating disorder. And so yeah. I just really encourage you to do the practical steps and get rid of your scale. Deny to be weighed at the doctor's office if it's something that um, doesn't really require your your weight. And uh, keep listening to the podcast. Anything else, Rachel? Are we good? Um, I don't think so. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And don't forget to follow the Recovery Journey on Instagram, the Recovery Journey podcast. Bye, guys. Bye.